Sooner fans, Longhorn Nation, welcome to episode 32 of the Boomer Bevo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. My co-host, if you're watching on YouTube or listening, is the very attractive man opposite me, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson, and we are fired up to talk all things Boomer Sooner and Bevo. And we've been doing it now for 32 episodes. Kevin, the one thing we haven't mentioned too much in these 32 episodes is the singing of the eyes of Texas. Now we've got major fallout following the devastating loss in Stillwater. Coach Sarkeesian did not sing the eyes of Texas and had to apologize for this disgrace, this behavior, which is borderline reprehensible. What is, is Texas fan willing to fire him over such a abuse of power? It's a non-story as far as I'm concerned. Look, it's a tough loss on the road. A game you thought you could win. Probably should have won. You lost it. It's frustrating. You leave. Who cares? I don't. I think that even that that if there's if there really is a Texas fan out there that cares, and I don't know who this would be, but if there really is a Texas fan that is out there that cares, they should care way more about not giving B. Sean Robinson the ball more than about Coach Sarkeesian singing or not singing the eyes of Texas after a loss like that occurred on the road. Seriously, we've got bigger things to worry about. I I mean, if I'm sorry, but see, this is the problem. This is the this is indicative of Texas as a program that he's even apologizing for this. Yeah, well, you know, it became a bit of a thing under Tom Herman, right? So maybe he figured it's better just to jump in front of it now before it becomes an issue with him. Maybe he was told to. I don't think he really cares either. But, you know, saying apologizing for leaving is not a big deal. But again, it's not a big deal that he left. Either. His I mean, apology should completely non-story. It, his yeah. his apology his apology should have been, "I'm sorry for calling 49 pass plays with a quarterback that had a two and five completion rating, versus giving the ball to the best two running backs in the country yes. and the best backfield in the country. And for losing another 10 point lead in the second half, 10 point lead at halftime against a ranked opponent on the road. That's the apology. It's it's so weak that Texas fan even cares, A, and B, that he would even apologize and C, that he's not even apologizing for the right things. Say I'm sorry for losing. I don't know. The story just bugged me. I don't think very many people care, honestly. Okay. Well, I, ho- I hope I not. certainly don't. I couldn't care less. Um, Along the uh, lines of inane things that are going on, how about Texas A&M? Is there anything better than them getting in trouble and just doing stupid stuff? Has Jimbo lost control of the locker room, Kevin? It certainly seems that way. If what they're reporting is true, players allegedly getting high in the locker room after a loss. I've heard on the road. I've heard conflicting reports that that wasn't true, but then people Stay came back out and, and then said it was true. It um, can't be right. I mean, what? Well, Here's here's the reality, right? Is this is one of those stories? Texas A and M is in the is in the predicament or this circumstance that 
one of these stories is believable. Because if you heard this in any other locker room, yeah, in, including Lincoln Riley's USC, any other locker room, you any. know somebody would be suspended for the rest of the year, and it would, you know, it would be like what? But with AM, you're like, yeah, I can see it happen. Um, yeah, makes sense. It makes sense with as much money as these guys make. Their players going to play. You know, here's the problem with with AM is that they have no power in this thing. All the power is with Jimbo. What are you What are you going to do? What are you going to do to Jimbo Fisher? You're going to fire him and pay him eighty five million dollars to leave? Okay. Well, and and then and then the other power dynamic is with the players that are that are now being paid, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. the players are like, "What are you going to do? Suspend me? All these boosters are paying me a million plus dollars, and by the way, you've got to convince recruits that this NIL money is a real thing. So you can't just like take it away." It's- Why are we only hearing this with them though? Right, because everybody—not everybody, but most good players—are getting paid nil money. Right, Texas has players, or you has players that are making nil money. Why is this only a thing? At least of what we're hearing with them. They're Why aren't losing. we hearing about things like because this? They're, that, because they're losing. Yeah, because they're losing, and they're losing with superior talent, and they're losing with superior resources, and they're losing in a superior conference. And Jimbo Fisher, by all accounts, should be a superior coach, and he's not. He just is simply isn't. Him. It's yeah. all on Jimbo Fisher. Absolutely. 100%. First of all, his offense is horrible, right? And he's he's this is his offense. He's the one designing the offense. He's the one calling the plays. Can't even blame an OC. So can they convince him to give up play calling duties and to bring in a new OC? They need to. They have, they have to. Right. I mean – and then, what if he says no? What are you going to do? He has an $85 million buyout. $85 I get, million. I don't know. Here's the, here's the problem, Kevin. As we transition into games coming up this week, their bigger issue is they have Ole Miss on Saturday. And here's the deal. this, this We're, we're going to talk about lines now. Ole Miss is only a one-and-a-half-point favorite. That is shocking to me. This is an old Miss team that only has one loss on the year. They've been playing really well. They've beat a lot of good teams. AM is reeling by all accounts. And Vegas is only saying Ole Miss by one and a half. You know, I wonder has that Ole Miss offense maybe not been as explosive? Because what did they end up scoring? 20 against um, LSU last week? Well, maybe not. AM has played good defense. Their offense has been completely abysmal, right? But maybe it's something with that Ole Miss offense that Vegas doesn't love. That's the only thing that I can think of. Um, tonight, we're recording on a Thursday night, folks. Uh, tonight, you have Utah on Thursday night is a seven-point favorite at Washington State. See if Utah can um, continue winning. I think they had a bye week after their big win against USC. The 11 a.m. kickoff, the big noon kickoff, is Ohio State, 14.5-point favorite at Penn State. Um, I know that the Michigan-Michigan State game is the primetime game, and I know that Fox has the right to pick the 11 a.m. game. But, man, Kevin, this just feels like a primetime game to me. I don't understand oh, why this would be a whiteout. It's got to be a Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. it should be a whiteout. Sure Oklahoma State College aren't happy about it. It was the same thing with Texas and Alabama, right? That should have been 
a ABC primetime game. Uh, now, when, when when we go to the when we go to the SEC, is that I know that we'll probably still have eleven a.m. games, but those will not. Is there is there any chance that those are going to continue to be a prime window for us, or is those going to be the lesser games? I don't think so because yeah, that, that's Fox's deal, and Fox right now doesn't have any kind of deal with the SEC. It's with the CBS and um, ESPN, and I believe it's going exclusively to ESPN here in a couple of years. So you know, um, ESPN, yes, I don't think so. I think ESPN more prime time at least for the ESPN. Yeah, they're not going to try to go up against Fox, are they? In, on their big noon kickoffs, they'll they'll, they'll put their other games at two thirty and seven, right? Yeah, they'll find with that, and they'll still put. I mean, they'll put their games at eleven o'clock and still like the Red River Shootout will be on ABC at eleven some years, like this year, and it'll usually have more viewers than whatever game Fox is showing. So I don't think they are too concerned about it. It's just I, I don't know. I just get I get I I never thought I would be this caring about another team's you know time slot but it's just frustrating you know like i get frustrated with these 11 a.m kickoffs it's hard to watch them sometimes like some of us actually have lives out there yeah. and 11 a.m kicks get harder and harder to watch you know this ou game i'll probably be watching it on a phone from a soccer field where if it was an if it was a primetime game now i i get it oh this oklahoma iowa state does not deserve to be a primetime game that's not what i'm talking about but just the the, the inconvenience of 11 a.m kickoff just sucks yeah. Um, Big I will 12. say this, though, real quick. Oh, yeah. before, before, the one thing that the Big Noon kickoff has done, because you remember back in the day, even like 10 years ago, the 11 o'clock game would be some obscure Big Ten game with teams nobody cares about. Yeah. You're going to start your yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A game that nobody cares about. It's hard to watch. There's no good offense. So that has helped with that. And that's, a, that's what they were going for with Fox. For the most part, I think it's worked. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it's worked. I'm sure it's for worked them. for them. It hasn't worked for me, Kevin. It hasn't. Yeah, and that's what that's what I'm talking about. Um, TCU, seven and a half point favorite at West Virginia. That line is surprising. West Virginia is not that good. And TCU is undefeated, only getting seven and a half on the road in Morgantown. Notre, Notre Dame at Syracuse. Syracuse is two and a half point favorite. The game of the week in the Big 12, Oklahoma State and K-State. K-State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but Adrian Martinez is still a question mark. Correct. I think that's what it comes down to. Have you seen anything or read anything different no, than, he, than he they're might play? And they're not saying. They're not saying. They don't do injury reveals. I think everybody else is catching up to them when it comes to that. They don't talk about injuries, so. Oh, is that an old is that an old Snyder move? Did he yeah, did he did he correct. Oh, well it's frustrating. So we'll, we'll know Saturday when they kick off. I will say this though, Oklahoma State has had two really tough games back to back. Yeah. Two I mean that, that Texas game was tough and that TCU one before that. Those are two tough games, man. So they're kind of in a gauntlet right now. Like we talked about the 2008 Texas team with that four game gauntlet. It's hard to go through all those unscathed. So I don't know. I think they're. I think they're right for the taking. Um, the uh, biggest cocktail party of them all: Florida and Georgia. Georgia's twenty-two and a half point favorite. Kentucky and Tennessee. Now, a lot of people are saying this is Tennessee's week to fall because they had Alabama 
with their, which is ginormous win, and then they played mm-hmm. UT Martin. M- Martin, and which you know just didn't have any business being on the field with Tennessee. But now they're playing, well, you know, a, a, an in-conference, in-division rival, and a and a pretty good team in Kentucky. So that's something to keep an eye on. Everybody's favorite USC Trojans are 15 points in Arizona. Kevin, it's a bye week. So we're going to pick the Oklahoma game. It's one and a half point. We'll pick that game after we do the preview. But what couple games jump off the uh, page at you for us to pick this week? You know, I like the K-State and Oklahoma State one. Dude, I, listen, I want to pick that game, but I hate the line on that because it's not knowing if Adrian Martinez plays makes all the difference in the line to me. Yeah. Because if, if Spencer Sanders plays and Adrian Martinez doesn't play – to me, that is an easy pick. If Adrian Martinez plays and they're at home and those factors that you talked about, hard game, hard loss at TCU, hard win against Texas, I, I would t- and K-State's at home, I would tend to lean K-State. Um, where, where, are you, where are you coming in at this? I like K-State at home. I can't pick the Pokes. I'm going with K-State as well. I can't pick the Pokes. Adrian Martinez, you better play, buddy. You better suck it up. Um, it's weird though because when he when he got hurt in the TCU game, if you can remember that from a couple weeks ago or last week, it was like he was still on the sidelines, still had his helmet right. on. Yes, it was very I don't even odd. Know what happened? I don't even know what the injury was. But by the time I put the game on, he was already on the sideline. So I never saw the injury. I don't know what type of injury it was, but yeah, he was still on there, almost playing like the backup quarterback. Calling in, helping calling plays, and communicating with Will Howard, the backup quarterback. So, yeah, it was very weird. Who so, knows? okay, um, I feel like we picked Kentucky a couple times. You know what? Uh, we picked A and M. We're starting to see some teams that we've picked before. That's okay. Let's do Kentucky at Tennessee. I like it. I like this. I like. I like the Josh Heupel story. Kentucky at Tennessee. Tennessee minus twelve over Kentucky. Um, for my Aunt Emily in Kentucky, I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Okay. To cover, to cover, to cover, not to win. To cover, not to win. Same thing. I got the exact same thing. I got them. I got Tennessee winning the game, but not covering. Kentucky's got a really good defense. Their, their quarterback, if he's back. He's good. Yeah, Will Levis. He, he's, he's, he's good. I think Tennessee's the better team, and I think they're going to win. I think this game being at home is really important for them. Because they'll have Neyland Stadium behind them, but um, I think Kentucky can play them really tough, and I think they can keep it within the twelve. And I'm happy to see Tennessee back. By the way, I like I like seeing that. They're one of the we've talked about this teams in orange that I have a really hard I can't hardly root for any team in orange. I don't know. I think it's because they're creamsicle, you okay. know. Yeah, and I've always liked creamsicles. Like they're probably. My favorite ice cream truck ice cream. Okay. Treat. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. Uh, we saw an ice cream truck the other day, me and my daughters. and um, But it wasn't making stops or anything. They've heard of ice cream trucks like in fairy tales and television, but they've never actually got to buy ice cream from an ice cream truck. Really? This was a deal in San Antonio. They had it ice cream staple. trucks. Everywhere, every neighborhood. You you heard the sound going around. You ran outside. You grabbed whatever change you had, 
and you ran outside. And I always got a well, creamsicle. Yeah, 50 cents. Yeah, you had enough. What'd you get? Something. What'd you get? You know, I like the uh, the strawberry shortcake bars. Remember those? I was, listen, I did not know you were going to go that way. I, yeah. That is exciting. I, I had you pegged for um, for the ice cream cone with the with the uh, peanuts on top, like the peanuts on uh, top. The drumstick. Yes, the drumstick. The drum, That's I'm, what I'm I had you. I was a fan of that, too. I was a fan of that, too. Yes. Well, yeah. let's face it. We were fans of, I mean, there's not a lot. I, I also like, while we're naming favorite ice cream truck ice creams, uh, in second place, with my second draft pick, I take the Bomb Pop, red, white, and blue. Oh, yeah, especially on a summer day. And then the third one, this might be a dark horse. I don't know. You tell me. But the chocolate banana chocolate. Okay. I I know I it's kind of. Never had it. You never had that one. I don't think so. I've, I've seen I, it, obviously, but yeah. I think you can get it at Seven Eleven still, like in their little freezer deal. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, wow, that was a little trip down San Antonio memory lane. Um, Kevin, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Brown O'Haver, Brown O'Haver are public insurance adjusters. They work for the insured, not the insurance company. They routinely get 30 to 40% more for their clients than those clients that work on their own in settling insurance claims with their insurance company. These are property claims that occur to houses or businesses, wind, theft, uh, flood, fire, whatever the case may be. Anytime you have to file an insurance claim, give Brown O'Haver a call. 405-735-5510. If it's it's something we can help you with over the phone, we absolutely will. If it's something you need to hire us for, we'll let you know and we'll get right to work. It's our job to get you paid more money for your insurance claim and to get you paid that money more quickly. Kevin, you've been with Brown O'Haver for five years. Five years, yes, sir. How many times have you heard from our clients live and in person how important our service has been to them? Countless. I've lost count at this point. I know. And that's it's really cool because it's really cool when a client comes in and is so thankful for what you do. It makes you happy that this is the job you have, if that makes sense. Because so many jobs are thankless working for the man in a corporate drone kind of world, and you never really know what that impact is. And even if there was an impact, it doesn't have the help somebody at their core impact, I think, that Brown O'Haver does. And that's what we get excited about at Brown O'Haver. And that's why we're excited to always take on new claims, always fight for our clients. And and that's what I get excited about. And I also get excited that they support and sponsor and provide for the greatest podcast in podcast history, the Boomer Beagle podcast. Where they talk about all things Oklahoma Sooners, University of Texas. But this week, it's a bye week for Texas. So we're talking exclusively Oklahoma, Iowa State. Kevin, I started looking at some stats. All right. Iowa State has the best defense in the Big 12 Conference. They're giving up 289 yards a game. That's against an Oklahoma offense that's third in the Big 12 that's gaining 472 yards a game. So you've kind of got strength on strength going up against these two teams. Conversely, offensively, Iowa State is the worst in the Big 12. 
and they're attaining 370 yards a game. Oklahoma has allowed 447 yards a game. So that number is not nearly as dramatic as the as the defense for Iowa State and the offense for Oklahoma State. Outside looking in, Kevin, where do you see the advantage, if any, for Oklahoma or Iowa State? You know, this is a intriguing matchup, right? Because that I can tell you, this is first of all, I think this is the first team that we have both played. You know what I mean? Yes, this is the first we, this crossover is the first game. common opponent. Yeah. Yep. So this, I'm really interested to see how OU matches up with them. That defense is legit. It is. It is legit. We talked yeah, it, about this. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about this before, but since we're now doing it on the Oklahoma preview uh, for Iowa State, people have constantly referred to this as drop eight, rush three, or rush three, drop eight. Is yeah. it that simple? I guess what I'm looking for you is I'm looking for a schematic breakdown of why this defense works so effectively and gives teams, specifically Oklahoma, but they gave Texas a hard time too, gives teams like Oklahoma such a hard time. Well, they use three safeties, first of all, right? And they started this, I believe they started it, the game that they beat OU in back in 2017. Okay. They came out with this kind of, they call it the flyover defense, so. They have three safeties on the field. So that eliminates the deep shots that OU and Texas likes to take, especially the deep post route. It eliminates those. But the way they use their safeties, they're deep enough to where they can cover the deep pass, but also they have them almost start the plays flat-footed so they can make the decision on if it's a run or a pass, and they can close quickly so- to support the run. From an from an Oklahoma standpoint, or to make kind of a connection to OU, is is that similar to having like three cheetah positions? Something like that, yeah. Because like that. yeah, they're very versatile. I just it's always blown my mind that we that Oklahoma historically now there's been years, so I, I don't want to like get off in the weeds. It feels like right. It's a it's a feeling. I people can come out back at me with some stats or whatever but it feels like we've always had a hard time running against Iowa State. Yeah. And, and it They're doesn't big and physical up front too. But but it's only 3 of them though. So why why is that so why do they how do they make that so hard? All with the safeties coming up? Yeah, and their linebackers play well too. They always have good linebacker play. Okay. They're tough, man. Now listen, Texas was able to do some things against them in the running game this year. In their game a few weeks ago. They so, were able to constantly keep feeding the backs, and they were picking up yardage. They just weren't scoring a lot. So Eric Gray is leading the nation with 7.2 yards per carry, which makes the most sense. I mean, I've been an Eric Gray fan for since the beginning. Everybody on the BPP, John. Everybody on the BPP knows that I've been an Eric Gray fan. I, I can't even name another OU uh, running back, to be fair. So uh, this is all bearing out exactly as I said it would. And so – but in all seriousness, can he? Can you're saying they gave up some yardage? If they stay committed to the run, can he approach that same yards per carry? I mean, I know it, you know that could vary a little yeah, bit, but get seven point one. But can he be efficient? But can five. he be? Eff- yeah, they yeah. can be efficient. They just got to stay committed to it. Correct. My other question then is: you talked about the deep pass. Uh, Levy and Dylan Gabriel have 
really they, they like that play, right? And they and they target Marvin Mims most of all with that. Mm-hmm. Is this something where they're going to both have to be really patient with their play calling and patient with their decision making and and take those underneath routes? Or if they if they can commit to the run, can they somehow is it possible to suck those safeties in and go ahead and beat them over the top? I think it's possible for that. If you but you have to stay committed to the run. This is you're gonna have to wear your hat. Did you ever get Xavier Worthy behind behind their defense? Yes. And he had two touchdowns. Most of them though were they were both red zone touchdowns. Okay. So you can hit him in the red zone for touchdowns too, throwing the football. All right. Um what makes me nervous though, man, is I, I kind of think that what we'll see offensively is what we've always seen in the OU Iowa State games, which is the offense is going to play good enough to win the game. Okay. Now what that means kind of varies from year to year, but I think in this case, I think you're going to see somewhere between 24 and 28 points scored by the offense, which against a team that is so bad offensively, that should be plenty to win the game. Okay. The problem I've got is OU is though they're playing the worst offense in the big 12 and we've talked about the fact that their schedule has been front-loaded right everybody's talking about we've played the harder teams first okay except for Oklahoma State we've played TCU we played Kansas we played Texas um and Kansas State right so we've played all these harder teams but here's the problem Kevin the ninth worst team in the big 12 is Kansas State offensively uh, the eighth worst team is Kansas offensively, and the sixth worst team is Texas offensively. So it's not like Oklahoma has played offensive juggernauts in their current uh, in the in the teams that they've current uh, already played. Does that make sense? Makes perfect so sense. So the only team that approaches that is TCU. TCU is the number one ranked offense in the Big Twelve. They're averaging TCU average five hundred is averaging five hundred twenty two yards per game, and Oklahoma let them get let them get six sixty eight on them, which is just a staggering number. Um, K State is averaging four hundred one. They got five hundred nine against OU at home. Kansas is averaging four nineteen. They got four thirty, so that's about right. Uh, but then Texas is averaging four forty four, and they got five eighty five against Oklahoma. So we can't simply look at Iowa State's past performance and guarantee that Oklahoma is going to have a shutdown defensive performance on Saturday, can we? You can't, no. And here's the thing, their their passing game, right? Hunter Deckers struggled a bit this year, but when he's on, he's effective. You saw the Texas game, right? I mean, he had his best game of the year, over 300 yards. Well, and from what I understand – this isn't it's related to the passing game indirectly, but I think it affects what, what whether Hunter Deckers is going to be able to take advantage of some things. Is I guess they're getting running backs back that they haven't had. Oh, okay. I, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so I think they're gonna get two running backs back that they haven't had. So I, I gotta tell you, I'm not feeling warm and fuzzy that OU is gonna go up there and somehow shut them down. Now, I think having a bye week helps. I hope getting Billy Bowman helps. What have but you heard I, with Billy Bowman? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That he's progressing. Okay. That, you know, he's progressing and day-to-day and hope he is back in the lineup. 
But the problem is, what's that? I said it'll help having him out there tremendously. Oh, dude, it will. It, no, it'll absolutely help. And the problem is, is that it it, it had it causes other players to have to move over there, so it creates depth issues. And it's mm-hmm. just a it's a it's not a great situation. I think the bigger and then either well, I don't know if it's bigger than not having Billy Bowman, but the other factor is going to be pressures on the quarterback. We've got to get the quarterback pressures uh coming from Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, R. Mason Thomas, all these guys that were really good early in the year and haven't been good since. We've got to get back there. The thing against Kansas was the turnovers. It really, really allowed us to jump ahead of Kansas and then stay ahead of Kansas. So turnovers would be huge. Pressures on the quarterback and getting Billy Bowman back. Those are the three things I think that would make me feel a lot better about Oklahoma's chances and names. Yeah. And Deckers will throw you a couple. I mean, Texas turned the game around. They remember they were about to go down 14 0. And we picked them off in the end zone, right? And then, of course, the fumble late in the game. What What are his stats on the year? How many quarterbacks? I mean, how many? Let me see. I've got, I'm pulling it up. He's right got now. like seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, he's got seven. He's got yeah, seven. 13 touchdowns, seven picks so far. He doesn't have a great QBR rating. Um, yeah. He he does. He gives the ball up. He's not taking care of it. It's just something that we've got to work on as a we've got to get the pressure on him and force him to, you know, put up some balls that we can make a play on. The biggest <sighs> question for me, though, is can you cover Xavier Hutchinson? Oh I... because listen, he is their only real threat, at least coming into that game against Texas. We thought, okay, we cover him, we're good. Well, we couldn't cover him at all. It was clutch moments, third third and long, and he would still somehow get open. They move him around to do a good job of finding matchups, putting him on, you know, safeties and linebackers, and he's a physical guy too. So that's my well, concern no. for OU is who do you have that can cover him? Um, I didn't have anybody. Again, it, speak, it speaks to the need to have Billy Bowman because I think we moved Key Lawrence there, and he, he saw a lot of Billy Bowman, so that gave – you know, Woody Washington a chance to line up against a guy like Hutchinson. I don't know. It makes me nervous because what's always frustrated about Oklahoma, frustrating me about Oklahoma is allowing those players to beat you, right? Because you know where they're going and they still manage to get open. And it's just incredibly frustrating. It's like, there are four or five other eligible receivers on this play. Can we make somebody else make a play? Yeah, and I mean, in this kid, the last three games, right? 13 for 101 against Kansas, 8 for 100 against K-State, and then 10 for 154 against Texas. Um, He's a good player, man. I mean, those are Marvin Mims numbers, right? Yeah. I mean, these are big time, big time, big time numbers. Big time numbers in an offense, it's terrible. So you know that it's coming. I mean, when you say 150, when you say that that stat right there represents 40% of their offense over the last three games. Mm -hmm. Correct. Let that sink in. From a receiver, not even a running back, 40% of their offense is coming from one guy. So we've got to figure out a way to bracket him, do whatever the case may be. 
And I, I don't know. The, the thing is, we got uh, there's just a lot of things that this I want to see from our defense. I want to see us get off the field on third down, pressure the quarterback, get some turnovers. They also got this Jalen Noel kid who I wasn't familiar with, and he went out and caught six for 94 against Texas, but two touchdowns. You're right. I'm going to tell you. You're right. This Now that we know what the, this common opponent deal is, it's going to be really fascinating to watch us break these teams down because I wouldn't have known that guy either. But now that you're talking, now that you mentioned it, he did. And I don't know, man, it's, it's the thing with Iowa state is there, there, yes, they're zero and four in conference. Okay. But they, those have been incredibly close games. They're well-coached team. Uh, everything is, they've kept everything right there. And it's not like Oklahoma isn't one in three in conference. It's not like we're game beaters. This is not the same OU team going up to Iowa State. The the minus one and a half line really freaks me out, man. It really freaks me out. And I don't, as I'm talking about it, I don't know what I'm going to pick. I'm going to let you make the first pick. What do you pick? One and a half point favorite Oklahoma on the road at Ames. I'm going to pick OU to win by a field goal. Wow. I'm going to say 30 to 27. Um, my brain says to pick Iowa State. My brain says to pick Iowa State because I can't get games like K-State and TCU and Texas out of my head, you know? Like, I can't get those losses. And to know a team like, I mean, this is Iowa State's, I mean, this is their bowl game, Right? And, and, and it's really their only chance of getting a bowl game. They've got to beat us. Um, but they they know they've had our number. They know they've got – that that they can get us while they're down. Matt Campbell knows how to scheme against Oklahoma. It's at home. It's an 11 a.m. kick on the road for us, which means it's hard to wake up for. We're both coming off a bye week. Iowa State. Okay. Iowa State to win. Probably the same score. Probably the same score that you just said, only in reverse. What did you say? 30-27? Correct. I, yeah, I mean, I do not want to pick it in my heart. I really don't. I mean, there is a path for OU winning the game. But I'm going to go with my brain and what my eyes have seen from Oklahoma and hope that I'm wrong. Um, okay, we'll be back Sunday to recap it. Well, I got to tell you, it, this is weird for me, Kevin, because um, when you're when you're doing a podcast, you want to try to like have some kind of credibility. You know what I mean? It's like so yeah, easy. It's so easy just to pick OU, like when you're just hanging out with your friends, like oh, oh OU's gonna kill him. Oh, OU's gonna be fine. Like, oh. but like, I would hope that our listeners can appreciate the fact that I'm trying to be uh, intellectually honest when I'm making picks like this. Um, but it, I got to tell you, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. I hear you, man. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's shift to the university of Texas. Last week we talked about Oklahoma and what their prospects were for the big 12. You've had a week or you've had four or five days to digest the loss at Oklahoma state. You're going to have a bye week this weekend. 
you're going to kind of see what happens real quick. But keep going. You're going to have yeah, you're going to have Oklahoma State play Kansas State. That's going to give the Big Twelve a much better picture as to who could play in the championship game. Does Texas still have a chance to get in the Big Twelve championship? They still. Sorry about that. They still have a chance, but it's slim. And it's fading. You know, they're going to need some help. They're going to have to win out and need some help. I don't see it personally. I don't see it. Um, from what I've seen from this team so far, I still think they have another loss in them. Well, it's, here's, look, they still have the best teams on their schedule left. Yeah. The, pro- the, the problem is going to be the K-State game. Yeah. Um. I mean, but you really can't afford a loss at TCU, but you at least have TCU at home. K-State's on the road, right? Correct. They go to K-State next weekend. So regardless of what happens to K-State this weekend, if K-State beats Texas, it is mathematically impossible. I mean, I guess any more loss makes it impossible, but I don't know, man, because Oklahoma State has the tiebreaker. It, it's just, I think, I think it's really hard. I mean, but I do kind of like Oklahoma. I, I find it hard to think that you can get to nine wins, you know? Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, my, my prediction for the season at the beginning of the season was eight and four um, for this team. Right. And even that is going to be tough. Right. I mean, think about it at K state. That's a tough place to play. And Steve Sarkeesian has earned no benefit of the doubt at all when it comes to winning games on the road. Okay? Yeah. Then you've got TCU. They've got one of the best offenses in the country. Right? Yep. So even if Texas plays well, that's going to be a really hard game. Right? They've got weapons all over the place, and they've got a great scheme. For all we've said about OU's defense, right, and they've let up a lot of big plays, but the TCU game was the only game that I can remember where they were just guys running wide open. Yeah, like even against Texas, Texas beat them because I thought Texas had better matched up well, but there were no breakdowns like that. You didn't, we didn't see guys running just wide open down the field like we did against TCU. That's a really, really good offense coming into Austin. And they're and just then well, real but, quick on TCU, they're just playing with no fear. They no, get down, no they get down two scores. It's, it's like of no concern to them. Yeah. I mean, they've come back from everything this year, and so right. going down to Texas. Well, first of all, they haven't been scared of Texas in years. I mean, no, that's. Not since they got to the Big 12. Yeah. Like playing Texas, I don't know what it was like in the old Southwest Conference days, but playing Texas in the Big 12, was, it's just, it's a non-issue. There is no underdog yeah. factor there. Um, And so, I, geez, Louise. But anyway, okay. And then you got to you go to Kansas, right? To Kansas, right? Yeah. And with our luck, with Texas' luck, Jalen Daniels will be back. Yeah. With, with, with our luck, right? We'll get to play against him and chase him around, which nobody has been able to corral him so far. I guess Iowa State did a pretty decent job of it, right? But overall, they've been really explosive offensively, and they, they're not scared of Texas. We saw that last year. They went and beat them in Austin, right? And then, and then, then, you, end with, and then you end with Baylor. Yeah, you know, Baylor's always tough. So, listen, it, it's a tough stretch. From what I've seen, I don't see it. If they, if they go 3-1 and one down this stretch, I'd be really happy. Really happy, and then finishing it, it, the season eight and four to be exactly what I had predicted before the season started. It's probably more reasonable that they go two and two, though, isn't it? it I is. mean, yeah. And they and they and maybe even beat 
Um, I could even see a scenario where they beat K-State and Kansas. Like mm-hmm. th- those are the two teams where I could see them beat. But I just don't see a scenario where they beat TCU. I, I mean, TCU is really, really good this year. Yeah, really good. Really good. <sighs> I don't know. I, and it's I, it's fascinating to watch. And it's going to be interesting to see how Sark does it and how Sark comes out. Because, you know, we talked about this with Oklahoma recruits are hanging in there with you guys and these close losses that you are suffering. I don't think it's hurting your recruiting all that much. Is there, is there any, is a one in three ending? Does that do anything to recruiting or are we still feeling you know, really, really good about some, Okay. I feel good overall, but there are a few guys out there who are, who I think are not 100% solid and some good players, right? They've got a corner Malik Muhammad from Dallas. He's one of the top corners in the country. He's committed to Texas, but I know he has a uh, scheduled visit for Alabama, right? Oh, wow. He's also considering visiting a and We've got a safety named Derek Williams committed. He's from Louisiana, right? He's committed to us. But Alabama's recruiting him hard, too. And now he wasn't considering LSU, but look how their season is turning around. Yeah. Right? And he's from Louisiana. You, you can never bet against LSU with a Louisiana kid. So, and then, yeah. of course, the Colt, with Colton Vosick, if they want to get him to flip from OU, they're going to have to impress, right? So. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be it, – it will be very interesting to see how Sark manages this season. Does he, does he finally learn his lessons? Does he take – because, you know, we broke down your game last week on Sunday and I did that and I think you did it too without hardly we hardly ever look at I don't read anything post game because I just want to give our take on it like what we saw at least that's how I've been doing it yeah and our take was everybody else's take like it was not hard to figure out what went wrong in that game he threw the ball too damn much and ran the ball too damn little like period Everybody knows it. Everybody saw it. Will he be able to see that and adjust his game plans in these last four games? I certainly hope so, because it's all on him at this point, right? It's all on him. Um, my my thing is this: that this can't just stay a game, man. Going on the road right now, you okay. can't trust him on the road right now. You just can't. In, in the last four games, not talking about injury, just talking about performance and play in the next four games is there uh what are the odds that hudson card sees the field for significant minutes minutes where the minutes where the game is in the balance no less than 10 less than 10 percent less than five percent wow okay even though it was gonna happen it would have happened on saturday well but this is my question though right because does he learn that lesson now, though? Does he learn that lesson yeah. and say, I need to have a shorter leash on Quinn? If he doesn't have it, after seeing the game play out, is he going to have a shorter leash on him now? Or are Not you good. saying this was the decision long ago, they're going with Quinn Ewers? It just seems that way. That's the vibe I'm getting from him is Quinn is a guy. Quinn is a guy. Now, look, if he comes out and he has four interceptions in the first half against K-State or TCU, then you kind of almost have to, right? But well, it, that's what I'm asking you. Is that going to happen, yeah. you think? I no. don't think so. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, I think if I think if Texas can finish 3-1 and one and get to where you said, 
that that's movement in the right direction. And it's really movement in the right direction for the first time since 2018. Yeah, since 2018. Yeah. I mean, after a five and seven season last year, it was crazy about it, right? Like there's still a chance that they can, you know, finish with a great record or they can still literally finish five and seven like they did last year. And what I believe you picked them to finish uh, before this season. I did pick them to finish five and seven. I, I would love to go back and I might have to go back and watch that show and see what I picked. I actually had y'all beating Kansas. I know that we thought Baylor was going to be a lot better this year. Yeah. Ba- Baylor though is still proving to be a really tough out. Exactly. Yeah. And they will be every week here. And There's I think no easy games in the conference. I think we had, I think I had them beating K state. I, I have this somewhere. I'm going to try to find it real quick. We keep talking. What's that? What are you looking at? Um, our our um your our picks for the season. Our oh yeah, yeah. Because you made you made like I a yeah you yeah. made like a, a fancy uh, a fancy graphic for it, right? I did. Yeah. So let's just look at the last four games. Forget everything else that's happened. What were what were, what were our predictions for the last four games for Texas? Here's what you had. Okay. You had Texas beating. I'm sorry, losing to K State. Okay, that that makes sense. That still makes sense today. Beating TCU, you have them beating Kansas, okay. and then losing to Baylor. So you have them going two and two down the stretch. I am going to keep the two and two. I'm going to trade out. Uh, they're going to lose to TCU. Okay. And beat Baylor at home. And beat Baylor at home. So you have them losing the two road games? Losing the two road sorry. games. Well, no. They're going to – yeah, losing – yeah, no. You have them losing K-State, losing to TCU. Correct. And, and beating, beating Kansas – beating Kansas, beating Baylor at home. Okay. Here's what I had. I had them beating K-State. Wow. I had them losing to TCU. I had them beating Kansas and losing to Baylor. So you have them at two and two. Would you make any change to that as you look at it? No. You still think they can beat TCU? Well, the two and two part. Right. Yeah. See, so that's I, the I thing. That, um, Which, you got to swap that TCU game, right? Yeah, or do you think? Or do you think they'd no, find some? No, 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 no. I, I don't think so, man. They're too explosive, man. They're, yeah. They're so, something's got to happen to Duggan. Something would have to happen yeah. to Duggan. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And then I mean. Chana Morris is no slouch either. No. Right? I mean, he remember he won the job to start the season. Yeah. Right? I think we have to remind ourselves of that. Um man, it's I, it, I will swap TCU and Baylor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Baylor I think there's TCU and B Baylor. I think there's a I think there's a clip scenario. Baylor is a tough out, but they're definitely not unbeatable and you get them at yeah, home. I think Texas matches up pretty well to what they like to do. Um for the record. Every one of my predictions except the um, Texas Tech game. That's the only one. Oh, really? Yeah. You so you are your eight and uh, seven and one on your right. predictions. Yeah, that's a lot better than our picks have been. <laughs> oh, I know. Seriously, and when and, it comes to OU, I mean, we're you know our picks have just been a complete disaster. Uh yeah, I picked because mine. I picked an undefeated season, and you picked an are, undefeated season. And we're I only picked y'all to lose twice. The I Oklahoma, picked the Texas the, loss, and I picked y'all to lose to Baylor. That's it. 
Wow. Well, we suck. Uh, Kevin, uh, enjoy the bye week. You're going to enjoy it. I loved my bye week. Uh, I can already feel the anxiety build, building back up in my heart as we get closer yeah. to Saturday. Yes. So you just enjoy having this week off. Just relax, kick your feet up. And on the other end, I need these Sooners. BV, I know you're listening. Get the boys ready to go. Get up to Ames. Come off this bye week. Knock them in the mouth early. Let's put them out early so they don't even have any hope left. Get that crowd quiet. And let's just go ahead and beat them by a couple touchdowns and be done with this thing. Kevin, we'll see you on Sunday. Boomer. Sure, hook them.